It's time for News Talk 720 KDWN's Ask the Expert Hour. Have a question? Call now, 702-257-KDWN. That's 702-257-5396. Good morning and welcome to Ask the Experts for this Monday morning, 9.07 KDON News Time. I'm your host, John Schaefer. Joining us as he does each and every Monday, attorney Brian A. Lowe from Brian A. Lowe & Associates. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, John. It's good to be here with you. It's good to have you here. Just want to let you know, uh, in case you have wondered about Brian and his experience, he has 33 years of experience as an estate planning attorney here in Las Vegas. He's also received the highest possible rating. That's an AV rating from Martindale Hubble that considers both legal ability and ethics. It ranks you in the top 5% of all attorneys in the country. I've been very fortunate that way. Well, I think you've probably earned it. <laughs> well, I work awfully hard for that uh, reputation. Excellent. And you'll work hard for your clients as well, people who come in and see you for estate planning, and even people who call in with questions. 257-5396 is the number. Brian will be taking your questions throughout the show, so feel free to call in. Don't wait till the last minute, and then we have to rush through. Get on that phone line now. You are an estate planning attorney, so that's what we've been discussing for the past couple of weeks that you've been here. But as we were talking about off the air, estate planning isn't just a general thing. It's different for every person. Everyone has specific needs. Everyone has different things they need to be looking at when they plan their estate. Different times in their lives, they have different needs. Uh, when a person first starts out, uh, they may not think that they have much of an estate. Later on, they'll have uh, get married. They will have children. They will start gaining assets. Then they get into the uh, later years of their life and then other kinds of things come up, uh, uh, moving assets from one generation to the next becomes more of, of something they need to, to address now. So let's talk about that person who is just uh, fresh out of college, recent college graduate, maybe has been at work for a couple of months, like you said, doesn't feel like they have anything. What would be something that might be in that person's estate? Because they're renting an apartment, they are still paying for their car. What might they have that they would need to come in and sit down with you with to talk about, to try and get that estate plan rolling? Oftentimes they will <clears throat> have their first job. In that job, they may have uh, some kind of uh, retirement plan that they need to plan who that's going to go to if, they, if it doesn't work out that they live to uh, retirement. They may have an automobile. They may have some things that have been given to them as gifts by their, their family members. They always have something. And oftentimes they don't know what they have or no one really knows all that they have until they die. And so they'd like, it's always good to have a will at least to pass on whatever they have to whomever they want it to go to. Yeah, those are things I never even thought of, like your retirement plan. I never even, it never dawned on me that my 401k plan through work here is part of my estate, but obviously it is. It is part of your estate. And if you do not name a beneficiary in that plan, then it will go to your probate estate, and then we have to probate that. Sometimes you will have a beneficiary that you would like to make of your 401k, but things change all the time. You may want to change that, that uh, designation. You may, someone may die, and so you want to change things. And oftentimes, just making a designation in a, in a 401k they forget that they have made those beneficiary designations and they don't back it up with their own 
mm-hmm. uh, will. And so then it ends up coming into probate. And as a young person like that, 23, 24 years old, uh, of course, you feel inevitable at that time. So you're mm-hmm. making all these plans. Who would you pick as a beneficiary? I, I'm obviously going to outlive my parents is what people would be thinking at that age. So why would I want to name them as my beneficiary? Well, oftentimes a young person will have a, a significant other, a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it may be. And they say, well, now that I'm starting gaining a few assets, I will make them my beneficiaries under my will. And then things don't work out. They, they split the sheets. They go their separate way. And you forget about having that in the will. And so you've done the plan. But now it's going to the wrong person. You may even really dislike this other person by, by now. So periodically, the way you start off your plan may not be the same plan that you have at the end of the day when you're, when you're looking towards retirement. Right. And when people come in and meet with you, do you advise them on that sort of thing? You know, sure, it seems like you're happy with this person now, but that might not be the right person to leave these things to. Or if you do, make sure if something happens that you remember to come back and meet with us to keep updating it. Well, we, we recommend that they come in periodically just to review it. Oftentimes, we don't have to change it in that review. But it's good to review it so that they, again, get to see who their beneficiaries are and to talk about the different alternatives and the lifestyle changes and, and changes in their financial affairs so that they know that it's updated and will do what they now want it done. And if you have a will, you can change a will at any time. You can do it by do, having another will, a new will, or you can make an amendment to the will with a document called a codicil. And so oftentimes uh, people just starting out will do a will and with the idea that as things change, they will do more planning as it needs to be made. Is it a good idea to seek legal advice to get your will set up as well? Yes, it is. It is. Uh, Some people, we have different kinds of wills. One is a holographic will where a person will write down on a piece of paper what they want, and and there are those wills are legal as long as they are done properly. But no one really knows what properly is unless they have some legal background, and so it's always good to have some advice. Then they are, if they do it themselves, it's like. Uh, performing your own appendectomy. Uh, It's just not a good thing. It's good just to have the idea of someone who is in the business that that has experience in it, has been through many situations where people have had wills, have died. We've had to probate those wills and administer their estates and some of the heartache that comes because they didn't keep it updated. All right, we are talking with uh, Brian A. Lowe. Brian A. Lowe & Associates, attorney at law, 257-5396. If you have comments or questions for Brian, give us a call right now. We are going to check in on traffic. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720, KDWN. KDWN News Time 919. Good morning. I'm John Schaefer. Welcome back to Ask the Experts. Our expert each and every Monday, attorney Brian A. Lowe from Brian A. Lowe & Associates. 
In case you didn't know, Brian has 33 years experience as an estate planning attorney here in Las Vegas. He's also been rated AV by Martindale Hubble. That's the highest possible rating. Good morning, Brian. Thanks again for being here with us. It's good to be here, John. If you have any comments or questions about estate planning for Brian, feel free to give us a call 702-257-5396. It looks like we do have a call. Someone called in for you during the break. Aaron is on the line. Aaron, good morning. Uh, hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? You have a question for Brian? Uh, yeah, um, my, my parents are starting to get a little bit advanced in age. And I'm, I'm starting to become a little nervous that they're losing, um, losing capacity. Uh, and I'm just wondering what, is, is there anything that, that I can do uh, to, to help them plan? I mean, I mean, I don't know, is the time passed for them to be able to plan if they don't, you know, know what, what it is they're doing? Well, I appreciate uh, the question, Aaron. <clears throat> Uh, you know, as long as they've got capacity and can understand what they are doing, what they own in the way of assets, and how they want those assets distributed upon their demise, they have the ability to, to do the planning. Uh, that planning, however, ends when they lose the capacity and understanding of, of what is happening. So if they still have capacity, I would suggest that you get them into an estate planning attorney as soon as you can, uh, so that the estate planning attorney, and hopefully it'll be my office, but uh, there are uh, a lot of estate planners, and, and uh, you should get them in. But make sure you do it rapidly if they are, are in the process of losing capacity. Now, how, how, how do I know whether they've uh, you know, lost, lost capacity? If they... How, how is that determined, I guess? Well... Generally, if they are in some kind of an assisted living facility or nursing facility, by law, what we have to do to determine capacity is to get a physician that would determine what uh, if they have capacity to understand what's going on. And they, there are certain tests that they uh, can give to a person to determine whether they have capacity. If, okay. if they're not in a facility, sometimes it's good to bring them into the lawyer and let the lawyer talk to them and discuss what they own in the way of assets, what they want to do with those assets upon their demise, some of the things that are concerning them. For instance, the possibility of having to go into some long-term care and if they need long-term care, how they're going to pay for it. And there's a lot of planning that goes around that long-term care planning. So it would be good to get into an attorney as soon as you can and, and determine that. And, that. and that's some planning that I, that I can do for my parents? or Well, no, the parent would have to. I, if, I'm sorry. If, if, if they are deemed to have to not be fit to make those decisions, I guess. Sometimes they may lose capacity, which kind of stops all the planning. In that case, you can possibly go into the guardianship court, become their guardian, and then ask the court for permission to create wills or do certain things in, in planning for their financial future. All righty. Well, I appreciate it. If you have any further questions, please uh, call my office. My number is 
0002. I'd be more than willing to discuss the, the details with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Aaron. If you have a comment or question for Attorney Brian A. Lowe, 257-5396, the number to reach us here in studio. So Aaron brought up some good uh, good comments, questions about capacity of someone. What if you are, are an adult child and you realize your parents haven't done any planning for their estate, don't have a will, and are have been deemed that they, they are incapacitated and can't do anything themselves? Is, is it pretty much then you're out of luck and everything they've worked for is just going to go where the state decides, or can something be done? Well, a will is one thing. Another thing that these uh, elderly people need, just about everyone needs it, is a durable power of attorney. And there's a durable power of attorney for, for health care, and there's also a durable power of attorney for financial. And in a lot of these durable powers of attorney, it gives to the attorney, in fact, some rights to do some planning for them, even though they have lost capacity. So in the overall estate planning of, a, of an adult, we always like to make sure that they do have durable powers of attorney with very, very broad powers so that they have named someone in the event that they cannot do it to do it for them. And if they didn't plan that far ahead and something has happened to them that they're now incapacitated? Then... We, out of luck? Not completely out of luck. You can go to the courts and start a guardianship and go through that process and then go back and <clears throat> petition the guardianship court for the right to do some estate planning. And generally the courts will allow it as long as it doesn't b disturb the succession laws of the state of Nevada. And is it a good idea, like Aaron brought up, should adult children... You know, check with their parents see, and make sure that they have some sort of plan established because a lot of people that, that are older, maybe from an older generation, don't think about estate planning and just think that my will will be fine or my shoebox full of cash and my safe deposit box full of stuff is fine and don't really have a plan. But the children know that that's something they should have. Should they get them in to see an attorney like you? They, they should get them in as soon as they can. Oftentimes, too, uh, children will see for their own purpose, the, the child's purpose, that the plan that their parents have created for their benefit, for the benefit of the mm -hmm. children, really is not the best thing for that child. And there may be circumstances that uh, it would be good for the parent to change the, their own estate plan to, to change the dispositive provisions of their plan so that the child, let's say, does not take it outright. Because once a child inherits it, it becomes inherited property subject to, let's say, the creditors of the child and maybe the uh, rights of a, the child's uh, spouse to have some rights to it. There are a lot of thing, factors here. So if they can get to their parent while the parent still has the ability to change their own estate plan, they can make those changes in their estate plan for the benefit of the child and not only satisfy the, the parent's uh, desire to get that asset down to their child, but give it to them in a way that will protect their child. So I'm going through a nasty divorce. I know that it, we're not going to be friends at the end of this whole thing. I can go to my parents and say, look, you have this plan set up. She's going to get part of it the way you have it set up. So 
We need to go see uh, Brian A. Lowe, get things reset in your estate plan so that the money comes to me and I don't have to share it with her. Exactly. And there may be creditors or maybe the IRS. You may have a severe IRS problem or you no, may you be. Definitely in, don't want them to get it. No, you don't want them to get it. And you may be in bankruptcy and you, the parent does not want what they're giving to their child to go to the child's creditors. They want it to go to the child for the child's benefit. And so all these things can be taken care of in a good estate plan. Suppose this estate plan, my parents have left their estate to my children because they, for some reason, don't want me to get my hands on it or my creditors, my ex-wife, whoever, whatever reason they've set it up that way. But when my parents pass, my children aren't legal adults yet. Do I then control the estate for my children? Do I have access to it somehow so that I can circumvent my parents' wishes and grab the money? No, not necessarily. It's the court's in those circumstances, try to protect those children because the parent, I mean, the grandparent, obviously had some desire of getting it into the hands of a grandchild. And so their rights need to be protected. <clears throat> and the parent themselves do not have the right to reach in and, and attach it. You probably think by my line of questioning, I'm some money-hungry person trying to grab at my parents' money and keep my siblings out of it. <laughs> no, but it's always good to plan. Yeah, because you just, you never know. You never know. And anything can happen at any time. So that's why it's good to start planning early and not wait till you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s to then sit down and figure it all out. Well, an example of that, we had a client that came in and that client was, he was about 50 years old and his father had recently passed and was going to pass on to him a, a million dollar estate. But if he took that million dollar estate because of his own um, health problems that he has had all of his life, uh, Medicaid had been taking care of him. And if he were to receive that inheritance, it would have all gone back into back to the state. So we, his father died, didn't have a chance to take care of it before he died, but we did go to the courts and tried to uh, uh, change his will provision so that uh, it could be put it put into what's known as a supplemental needs trust for his benefit. All right, we will be back with attorney Brian A. Lowe right after this quick break on News Talk 720 KDWN. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720 KDWN. KDWN News Time 937. Welcome back to Ask the Experts, our Monday expert each and every week. With 33 years of experience as an estate planning attorney, attorney Brian Alo. Brian, good morning. Good morning again. 702-257-5396, the number to call if you have a question about estate planning for Brian. And Jessica is on the line. Good morning, Jessica. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Um, I am I'm married, and when I got married, it's the second marriage for my husband, and we had an attorney draw up a prenuptial agreement, but at the time, we didn't do any estate planning. So my question is, at this point, do we need to do estate planning separately to preserve the prenuptial agreement, or can we do estate planning together but, but somehow maintain that prenuptial agreement's um, security? Well... I have not had an opportunity to take a look at your prenuptial agreement. If you want me to, uh, just give me a call at my office and I'd be willing to take a look at it for you. But when you're looking at, at assets, there are 
assets that you bring into the marriage, which becomes, I mean, which can retain its character as separate property. There are assets that acquired during the marriage as a result of, of the work or income that comes in as a result of your own work, which is community property in this state. And so while you're married, you may be uh, creating more and more community property, which means that you should, you and your husband should do some planning around what's going to happen to the community property. And if you want to keep your separate property separate uh, from, from your spouse's property, then you may want to uh, continue to keep the prior planning that you've had or at least have it reviewed because you may want to make provisions with your separate property for your new spouse. All right. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Jessica. 702-257-5396 if you have a question for Attorney Brian A. Lowe. So Jessica brought up a good point. You have your separate property that you come into a marriage with. Then you have your joint property from your marriage. Can you set up more than one estate plan? Because I want to keep what was mine, mine in one estate plan, but then have what's ours as ours in another estate plan? Well, actually, the two plans come together into your estate plan. Okay. What you're doing is you are planning your separate property estate to go in one direction, and you plan your community property estate possibly going in another direction. Oftentimes when a, a house is acquired, it is acquired with community property or community funds are, are used to pay off that house. And so if you have a will that says all my assets goes to my separate property trust, and now all of a sudden when you die, your spouse doesn't own half, only owns half of the house. And so they may uh, desire to stay there, but the children or uh, the beneficiaries under the separate property trust want to sell the interest. And so it can create, really create some problems. I had a case like this in uh, California. The, um, there was a man, he had two children. He was married. They were very young, uh, two and three, I believe. And his wife died. He had a house and he had a trust. And so he saw early after his his wife died that he really needed to find a mother for mm -hmm. his two children, which he did. And he married a, a real fine lady and she raised those those children, but he never did change his his trust. The house was in it. They lived in that house until uh, his death. The children were all raised and they were out and gone. But his trust said that upon uh, his death, the house was going to go to the children. And so here this lady who had been the mother to, the, to those children had raised them, had been a wonderful mother and a good wife, was out on the streets. Just because they didn't take a look at, at their plan and really determine what was in the best interest of everyone. Yeah, I didn't realize things like that could happen. It happens. I would imagine that whole thing, especially if you're coming into a marriage after you've had previous marriages and you have children from previous marriages, get remarried, have children with that current husband, so now you have children, stepchildren, uh, half-brothers and sisters all involved, that that would be definitely a way that you want to 
set all this up in a trust because you might want your children from your first marriage to get certain things you had then, your children together to get other things, and to make sure that it all works out the way you want, it's important to plan. That's true, John. And it's just simple planning. But you fail to plan and you plan to fail. Yep, exactly. Or you sit around thinking, well, it's, nothing's going to happen to me today, so I don't need to plan today. And then you walk out in front of that bus. Walk out in front of the bus and you, and now you're dead or you're incapacitated and can't make the change. Yeah, that's why they need to give you a call. They do need to give me a call. What is the number at your office if they'd like to give you a call there? Area code 702-259-0002. And we'd be more than happy to uh, to make an appointment with, with the audience, have them come in, talk about what their situation is, and we always have a free initial consultation for the estate planning. It's something we were talking about a little earlier, and then I had talked to you during the break about not knowing whether or not my own parents have an estate plan set up. You were talking about long-term care planning and how important that is, especially for elderly people, to make sure that it's set up in their trust because if one dies and the other one is left with all the assets, they might suddenly find themselves wealthier than they anticipated and, and might not be eligible for certain help getting long-term care that they need until they spend all of their assets. That's true. And we always uh, uh, take a look at the health of elderly couples because because of dementia or Alzheimer's or some, some uh, dehabilitating problem that they have uh, may need long-term care. They may have limited assets. The, the cost of long-term care can run seven, $8,000 a month, and that will go through a person's estate very quickly. Oftentimes, people who have trust think, well, I have a trust, and when I die, everything will be there for the benefit of my wife or, or my husband, as the case may be. And they don't realize that what that did was increase the value of that um, spouse's estate so that spouse now has to spend down all of their estate before they can get any governmental assistance. And so there are some things that we do to plan around that by creating uh, supplemental needs trusts. It's very complicated. Uh, if, if there is a joint trust, regardless of how you, you uh, plan it, all the assets in that joint trust will be considered an available asset for Medicaid purposes. So what we have to do, and this is a safe harbor that the uh, United States Codes provides, you have to take it out of the trust, you have to send it over into uh, a probate. <laughs> Probate's one thing that we try to, uh -huh. to uh, uh, avoid, but... Sometimes if there's some long-term care planning that needs to be done, we, we're forced into forcing a probate. And then within the will and in the probate estate, we create a supplemental needs trust outside of the original joint trust. And by doing that, we can avoid having those assets be an available asset for Medicaid purposes. All right. We will talk more about that when we get back after this break with attorney Brian A. Lowe. If you have a question, 257-5396. Right now, let's see what it's like out on the roads this morning with Mitch Kelly in the Cade on One Nevada Credit Union Traffic Center. 
Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720, KDWN. And welcome back to Ask the Experts. The time, 9.51, nine minutes before 10 on this Monday morning. Our Monday expert, attorney Brian A. Lowe from Brian A. Lowe and Associates with 33 years experience as an estate planning attorney here in Las Vegas. He's also received the highest possible rating AV by Martin Dale Hubble. It can makes him in the top 5% of all attorneys nationwide. Fantastic. Well, thank you, John. Absolutely. So we've been talking about some long care planning, long term care planning in your estate. And uh, it made me think that it doesn't matter how much planning that you do with an estate or a trust. If you need long term care, you have to spend that money. Well, there are some alternatives. One, you can acquire long term care insurance, which if a person can afford it and they can get it, we generally recommend that they get long-term care insurance, which can be deductible on their income tax return. Or there are some planning ideas. They can do some, some Medicaid asset protection, which means that they would need to make gifts to people and give away much of their, their wealth because a person is not entitled to any governmental long-term care benefit until they become indigent. Once you become indigent, then the government will step in and take care of you. But you cannot give away assets to become indigent because if you do that, that they will penalize you for giving it away and, and doing right. it. Right. So even though I worked hard my whole life, amassed uh, these assets that I want my children to have, I can't. Is there a way to ensure that my children will get them if I then need long-term care down the road and don't have to blow through all of that money or well, assets? Our system is set up to give welfare to those who are into, who need welfare. Right. But as long as a person has financial capacity, the thinking is that person should have to spend their own money to take care of their long-term needs. And so they would have to become indigent before the government would help out. So what people will oftentimes do is they will make a gift, a sizable gift into a trust for the benefit of their children and then hope that they don't need to get any long-term care benefit from the government or make application for it for a minimum of five years. And once they get through the five years, then the five-year look-back period that Medicaid has doesn't apply, so they don't consider those those gifts. And during that five years that they're they're getting through, they have sufficient just to get through those five years. And sometimes they can do that kind of planning. And then there's there's other kinds of things that that can be done, but it's very specialized and it's not. It's so complicated, it's really not something that we talk right. about over the air. But uh, if somebody has a, a problem and it looks like they're going to be needing some long-term care at some time in the future, they should get into an attorney who's familiar with these uh, kinds of planning techniques and uh, get it resolved. So it seems like in the world of estate planning, I don't need to just worry about estate planning for myself. I also need to worry about the estate plan my parents might have just to make sure that theirs is set up properly as well so that my brother and I 
get what my parents want us to have without having to be spent. And if one of my parents dies and the other one gets it, they're not going to be penalized for that. And then that's correct. There's just there's a lot more to it than, than I think people really realize. Oftentimes people think, well, I have a trust. I have a trust, so there's not going to be any probate. They forget that they need to put their assets into the trust. And so at the end of the day, after uh, the first uh, parent dies or after both of them die, the children come, come in and they say, well, they had a trust. We don't have to do any probate. Well, that's not the case because they never put assets into the trust. So, yeah, it's all planning. Is there a difference between an estate plan and a trust, or is a trust part of an estate plan? A trust is part of the estate plan. The will is part of the estate plan. Both of them, for any sizable estate or any particular way of handling those estate assets after their death, really need to plan, be planned out with a trust, because the trust can go on for, for several hundreds of years. A probate is over with in a year to two or three years, and and it's over with. You can create uh, what's known as testamentary trusts, but then the courts will retain jurisdiction over those testamentary trusts over the years, which may be a little more expensive. And is it ever too late to start planning? Let's look at the group, the baby boomers. Are they... Should they already have had a plan put in place? Is it too late for them to sit down with you and figure out what it is they should do? No, as long as they have capacity. And that's, that's the problem. If they lose the capacity or die, it's over with. They, they can't do a lot of the sophistication planning that can save a lot of their estate to be passed on to that next generation. And your phone number again, if they need to, if their light bulb is going off now and they're realizing it's time to get in there and plan? Area code 702-259-0002. Give us a call. What can they expect when they come in and sit down with you? They can expect and they should uh, plan for at least an hour uh, on an initial estate planning. And and during that time, we we talk to them about what they have, what their their desires are, uh, family members, what's happening with their family, what they would really like to do. We that takes a minimum of an hour. Sometimes it even takes a little longer, but we provide that so that they know what it is that they should be doing. And then we can say to do that, this is probably what it's going to cost. And should they come prepared with anything? Are there any documents, papers, anything like that that you need to bring along? If they bring a list of what they they own in the way of assets and some some pre-thinking as to what they want to do with those assets upon their demise. So I still have a mortgage on my house. I still have a car payment. Do those things still count as my assets? Because technically I don't own them. The bank does, but they're mine. No, they are yours uh, with, a, with real property. It's deeded over to you, and you have given a deed of trust over to a trustee saying that if you don't make the payments, they can sell the house, but the house is still yours and you have an equity in that house. Just because you are still making payments does not mean that the house is not yours. Okay. Well, it's been another fascinating Monday with you, Brian A. Lowe. 
It's nice being with you, John. It's good being with you. And it is always very, very interesting information. A lot of things that I didn't think about. I'm sure a lot of things other people are not thinking about when they're out there thinking that uh, I need to get my act together and get this estate planned so that the state doesn't decide what happens to my assets. Well, I'll be here again next Monday. I, I believe I'm going to be invited back. Absolutely. And uh, if anyone has any questions, please uh, call next week. We'll be on the on the air again, and I can answer the questions directly.